Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible Williams. And this is week three in our Faith and Practice series, where we are taking a look at spiritual disciplines. It has been so rewarding so far. We hope you guys are loving it as much as we are. This week, we have our dear friend, Rebecca Lyons with us. Rebecca is a speaker. She's a best-selling author. Her latest book is Rhythms of Renewal. The subtitle is Trading Stress and Anxiety for a Life of Peace and Purpose. And she also has a new planner called the Rhythms for Life Planner and Journal that goes along with that that I am loving right now. I'm starting to dig into that myself. Rebecca is just all about intentional rhythms in our life that are just grounded in scripture and grounded in who God is and who God says that we are. And we just love her. She brings so much value to this conversation about spiritual practices. I think you're going to love this conversation. Let's get to it. Rebecca. Yes. Hi. Hi. <laughs> it's so good to be, um, I don't know, what are we, eight feet apart from I know. today in the same I room? I know. In the same town, in the same room. Ugh. What a gift. That's it really is. Don't take it for granted. I no don't. kidding. I don't. It's and also, year, like, guys. in the new year. Yeah. I, know. I mean, New Year's kind of your thing. You know what? I think I did this with you guys last I year. I think so. You were Kicked here for Genesis last year. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was like, this is the way we start the year You're, together. I'm this in. is the way we start the year. Start, <laughs> start the year. Start the year. Oh, um, we're going to keep going. Yeah. Keep singing. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. Come on, everybody. <laughs> but you're like one of my favorite intentional friends. Like you're oh. just, this is something that you're very good at and not just good at, but you, uh, Rebecca, you're thoughtful mm-hmm. um, and not just thoughtful, but you have taken hours and months and weeks of your life educating yourself about rhythms and structure and how our mind and body and spirit respond to mm. rhythms, right? Thank you, yeah. And so getting to like sit down with you in a new year with this faith and practice study, thank you for coming. Oh my goodness, this is my favorite. And I'm <laughs> loving this study. I obviously jumped in ahead of time because I was just wanting to get my <laughs> I wanted to get my head around it. Yeah. And I was just so excited about this study because of the intention the interaction and the guiding that yeah. that it has through it, which you've always done stuff with scripture. And I love that, that it's just scripture. You don't try to add to it. There's nothing mm. more. It speaks for itself. But this study in particular, the way in which you invite the reader to engage and reflect, yeah. I think sometimes we can read scripture and not really process how our heart is wrestling with what we just read. Mm -hmm. We kind of get through it, and then we're like, oh, that was rough, but I'm moving on. And this just kind of forces a little deeper dive, which I think is really where God wants to meet us anyways. I mean, even like we talked with Annie last week about the discipline of meditation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes to meditate is just to think on what we've read, but sometimes it does help to go like, you know, what are some questions that we can ask, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like giving ourselves and the word like room to breathe. And yeah. just be and to process, you know, that right. it's a lot of times that in week one, John Mark Comer was our guest and he was saying that, you know, that knowledge of scripture is not enough. Like right. that, sure, that's a great place to start. An important place to start. It's sure. he distinguished between knowing scripture and having the mind of Christ and that right. those things don't automatically go hand in hand. They're connected. Mm -hmm. But yeah, and so that's challenging, I think, especially when we want to just check a box and keep going. Um, Speaking of box checking, I want to talk about what this study is. If someone is new um, to us this week, box checking is not what this study is about. Right. Right. It's called Faith and Practice, a Biblical Study of Spiritual Disciplines. And we are just looking at scripture to see what spiritual practices or disciplines are taught Mm -hmm. and modeled in Mm -hmm. scripture. And looking at these as opportunities for us to pursue the presence of God, Mm -hmm. to um, be mindful of and kind of sit in the presence of God, but not, I want to maybe back up a little bit and not even just say sit in, because I think when I think of spiritual disciplines in the past, I always thought of them as like, oh, I'm going to sit down Mm -hmm. in a quiet spot and do this thing. Right. Right. Sometimes it does look like that. Sure. But 
what we really also want to get at are like, what are things that we can incorporate into our everyday lives? Our goings about. That's right. Yeah. And, and then it's not just, I'm going to stop life and now do this. It's how not I'm going to stop life, life and now follow Christ. Right, right. right. Yeah. 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 But how can my life incorporate, like how can my life reflect Sure. Um, the reality of God's presence. How do they and integrate so, that's in right. every day? That's I like how you word it on page 17. Discipline refers to an intentional active patterns of behavior. So the intention yeah. and the action becomes a pattern mm-hmm. of behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really kind of the message I've been just going deep diving in with rhythms. It's that this idea of transforming a life through His Word is one small step at a time, and it's rhythmic, it's daily, it's intentional, and it's active. And I love when Jesus says, come into my rest. That even means that rest requires pursuit. It's not just, you know, numbing out or escape or Netflix binging. Mm -hmm. It's like real solitude with God and His Word requires pursuit. And so I think that's what this um, study is really honing in on is that the pursuit of his word is the pursuit of him because Jesus says in the beginning, he is the word, right? So you're almost interacting with his word, but you're really deep diving in relationship with him and through his word. And I, I think sometimes it's easy to separate like the presence of God, Holy Spirit, experiential, and then you've got the Word of God that you're reading. Mm-hmm. Um, but what people don't understand is that Christ gave us the gift of the Spirit to actually make the words jump off the page, right. to actually bring yeah. tears to our eyes when we read a passage that maybe we've read a hundred times, but for whatever reason, in that moment, the Spirit's like, pay attention. Mm-hmm. This is a rhema word for you right now. This idea that the word is always going to show up in a new and fresh way because it never returns void. And I I love that because then it's less about I'm reading this passage and more about that this passage is God himself revealing himself to me. Yes. And our relationship is growing in intimacy as a result. And yeah. then all those checkboxes just vanish. Yeah. Because that is just not the point. We talked about this in week one and probably also in week two, how we kind of likened it to you know, when we exercise, my goal isn't to lift weights. My goal is to be strong. Right. Um, and even with spiritual disciplines, they are not the goal. They're, you know, the means right. to the goal. And so my goal isn't a really good Bible reading habit. Right. It's not a um, healthy prayer life right. um, or a rich prayer life. My goal is God. Right. And, and we find God in these disciplines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise it just becomes religion. Right. Look at me, how long I'm praying, how publicly I'm praying, how fast That's I got good. through the Bible yeah. in a year. Yeah. When you really even think about like the Bible in a year, those are check boxes. And mm. I'm not trying to slam them because I, I understand the discipline yeah. still that there are times sometimes we approach scripture and we don't really have desire attached to it. Mm-hmm. But God can still use that, obviously. Absolutely. And he draws us. Absolutely. And then sometimes we act our way and then the emo- you know, almost the connection can come. Yeah. Yes. Um, but if it never did and you were just doing it for the practice of it, then ultimately you actually aren't growing in God and you're not growing in your vulnerability to him in prayer mm-hmm. or your intimacy, mm-hmm. your rawness and even the topics we're going to talk about today like whether it's confession, submission, like those things don't just happen right. apart from relationship. Yeah. I'm really glad that you said that because there is I know we're saying this is not about checking boxes. But in those times, I'm not retracting that. It is not about checking boxes. But the times that we don't feel like it, right? we know from experience that the act itself and doing, even if it feels like we're going through the motions mm-hmm. on a particular day, that even if we don't feel faithful and we don't feel connected, that God is faithful right. and that this kind of, it almost feel like it's like plugging into an outlet. It's like, it's not about how I feel. It's about plugging into the source. Mm-hmm. And I know that he is faithful and that his word is living and active, even if I'm not feeling it, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I may not feel strong when I'm lifting weights, but I'm going to do it anyway, because I know that. I will feel strong. Right. And that I just sometimes have off days, you yes, know, but absolutely. if you really are, if there's a habit that is important to us, then we're going to do it anyway, because we know it's important, not just because I feel like it's important on that particular day, yeah. you know, so I, it's a little bit semantics, but I think that's important. It's, you know, as someone who has 
loved words for a long time and been a writer, and I'm sure both of you have had this experience where, you know, you it's like the well, I, I haven't written because I don't feel inspired. And they're like, oh no, 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 you sit down and start writing to feel inspired. Right. Like you don't feel inspired and then write. It's backwards. You you know, it's the phrase like button chair. Sorry to say butt on our podcast, but like you sit <laughs> in the chair and do the work, and then the inspiration comes. That is very often how it happens. And I think that's kind of what it's like with spiritual disciplines. Um, So, okay, I'm excited to dig in. Oh, I was just going to say, I was told once early in writing that it's usually six paragraphs in that you really figure out what you're actually wanting to write about. You start with something in your brain, but the writing slowly takes you. The writing tells the story. Mm-hmm. Again, until you start to expose yourself, because writing is cathartic, forces you to be honest if yes. you're actually going to connect. Mm-hmm. And so I think sometimes writing reminds us that we're not always honest with ourselves until we sit down, which is <laughs> why we want to avoid it. <laughs> Rebecca. <laughs> yes. And then all of a sudden, like that honest voice begins to go, oh, this is actually really where I'm at and what I need to be This is how. I, yes. This is how I feel about counseling sessions. Yeah. I'll go into a counseling session. I don't have anything on my mind right now. I don't have anything that I really specifically want to, because that's what I do. I know myself mm-hmm. and I'm an emotional kind of avoider. And then you just start talking about anything and the stuff will come to the surface. For sure. You know, and, there. and there is also the professional in the other chair who yeah. knows how to make the stuff. Come and they're the nurturing surface. you as you go. That's so right, you that's feel right. safe to keep going. That's yes. Right. But the thing is, is we understand this principle in different areas, in fitness, in therapy, yeah. mm-hmm. in writing or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, our trade or our hobby is. But so often when it comes to spiritual disciplines, we don't apply the same logic. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's one of the big things that I've learned in this study. And so some of it thanks to John Mark Comer in week one of just saying, we can use our brains and common sense here. Mm-hmm. You know, when Jesus says, follow me, he means, hey, actually, like, do things I do. Right. Yeah. For sure. Cool. You, okay. Let's yeah. start there. Well, and one thing I do think we can't forget that we have an enemy that really does tempt us to isolate or retreat when we feel barren yeah. or we feel like we're in a wilderness moment. Mm-hmm. So I think for me personally, if I have dry spells or dry seasons of maybe 2020 had that, I think for a lot of us for different reasons, loss, like Mm -hmm. loss itself Mm -hmm. was just loss. Everyone's loss is real, no matter what it looks like. Sometimes we have a hard time bringing that to God initially because we feel guilt about the loss or we shouldn't be complaining and we should always be rejoicing. But that's why I love that lament is modeled in the study, that God is basically saying, I don't care how barren or desolate the season that you're in, what is most important is that I'm with you in it. So Emmanuel means coming to be with us in all things, and that's the ultimate relationship. When you really don't ever feel like you have to hide Mm. and that you can say whatever you need to say to the Lord and He's not leaving. He's not Mm. like pushing you or shaking His head or Mm. shaming you for your true raw vulnerability because He wants to meet like He did David in Psalms and like so many times. I've took so much comfort from the Psalms. If I am in a like a longing or loss season, I take comfort to go, if he was a man after God's own heart and he was willing to exude that kind of loss or longing that ultimately led to repentance and then adoration yeah. and and celebration, then even the temptation to retreat or sin still ultimately when we actually overcome that, we still find freedom. Yeah. Amen. Bring okay. It. So we have five spiritual disciplines this week. And we don't have to go in order. There's freedom here. Yeah. But our list this week is celebration, actually, like you just said, of David. And then also worship, confession, submission, and giving as I a spiritual it. discipline, which um, was a fun one to study in Scripture. Fun, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's the right word, but it was a very fascinating thing to study. There were a lot of things that we believed we would find and couldn't quite find them. You know, mm-hmm. um, it was just mm-hmm. really interesting. This is always the case. Yeah. yeah. When we go to it, we're thinking, oh, we're going to study this topic yeah. in the Bible. And I'm like, oh. Wait, that's not, huh? It's not it also, yeah. Right. Like, oh, it does say those things. It also says these things. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. I love it. Interesting. It's interesting to me to think of celebration as a discipline because you think of it as like a recklessness sometimes, mm-hmm. like categorically, like we're celebrating. Or spontaneous. Or spontaneous. Or like, yeah, like indulgent. Like yes. But, but for it to be a discipline, <laughs> yeah. I think is really cool 
cool. And I think that like I found conviction as I read about celebration mm-hmm. and really spent time meditating on it um, because there are a lot of times that I forget or mm-hmm. fail to celebrate. Yeah. Even if it's to the end of, you know, self-deprecation or like, I mm-hmm. don't make a big deal, you know, whatever right. it is. But it was helpful for me to think of it as a discipline. Yeah. I have a friend who's very good at celebrating um, and she's very good at celebrating her immediate people, but she's also good at remembering and celebrating other people and even acknowledging tough milestones, but in a celebratory way yeah. of like, look what you like. She remembered Toby's two year surgery anniversary and I'd. I actually had the date wrong in my head as his mm-hmm. mom, and she remembered it before I did. Mm. And there's something so special about that because I totally agree, Rachel. I feel like, oh, well, celebrating is like big events mm-hmm. or like a little, you know, really that's it, mm-hmm. big events. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but the discipline of of acknowledging beauty, goodness, and truth, mm-hmm. not just academically or like in our head, because that's our definition in the book, right? The practice of acknowledging and rejoicing right. in beauty, goodness, and truth. Right. I think we acknowledge it, like even on this podcast, we've been trying to get into the habit yeah. of seeing it and acknowledging it. Yeah. But to celebrate it, yeah. the scripture this week um, or for this day, that passage from 2 Samuel 6 where what's happening is the ark is being brought to Jerusalem. And um, this is a very exciting moment. And David, King David, in his linen ephod, which is like a priestly garment, is like breaking down. Mm -hmm. at like I mean, he is dancing his little head off in public. Yeah. This is David, verse 14 in chapter 6, David was dancing with all his might before the Lord, wearing a linen ephod. He and the whole house of Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of the ram's horn. And then his <laughs> Saul's daughter, Michael, looking down from the window and saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. Because I, it was foolish. I'm sure he looked yeah. like an idiot. <laughs> I love the phrase, with all his might. You know, that's right. Like, I kind of picture one of those dances that's awkward, like, you know, yes. from Seinfeld, you know, yeah. when she did the dance. Yes. What's her name? Oh, I forget. But she kind of had, the, like, yes. but it was like all Elaine. her might. Elaine's Or Monica dance. and friends. Yes, yes, yes. yes. When you're dancing with all your might, uh-huh. you know, like, you don't care. Yeah. No, you and don't. I would do that in college because I really can't dance that well. Yep. So I would just decide to like goofy dance just for laughs right, right, right. <laughs> but with all my might yeah Gabe danced once with all his might and like twisted his ankle when we were dating yes <laughs> which is a joke that our friends never forget to remind us of um, from college but I like what you said I mean I think what celebration requires is remembrance that's right you yeah know? They're so, so when you said together. your friend texted you mm-hmm. you know about an anniversary Bob Goff does that for me every year and it's yes. on the anniversary of when my dad passed mm-hmm. and it's actually to just remind me what a great daddy was, what a great daughter I was, like just Mm -hmm. encouragement, you know, like, um, and I think about 2020, there was so much temptation to despair. Mm -hmm. And I just kept my verse last year was the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's right. Like years before had said, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Yeah. After coming out of depression and anxiety Mm -hmm. a decade ago, Mm -hmm. um, then we name our daughter Joy. But still having to be reminded that joy is a discipline. It doesn't mean that the circumstances are always awesome. But if the joy of the Lord is our strength, yeah. then we can face whatever's hard right in front of us, knowing that we're choosing joy, right? That's right. It's like, and you hear that all the time, like choose joy, but it's not just like a t-shirt. It, right. It's like an intention to go, <laughs> maybe the way I choose joy is to remember the moments he's showed up. Yeah. And the moments that he has moved mountains for me, for our family, for our friends. I mean, talking about pushing back the darkness. Right. To take a day that would be an otherwise very hard anniversary. Your dad mm-hmm. died, Toby's surgery that did not go well. Right. And to like call out those days, push back the darkness of those days and go, there's something to celebrate here. Yeah. And let's do that. Yeah. And like we talk about how these spiritual disciplines are so intertwined. Like, I mean, celebration is about remembrance, um, but it's also about worship. Yeah. I mean, celebration leads Mm -hmm. to praise. Yeah. Right. I mean, on the day, the very day, because my friend Laura, who is the celebrator, um, she 
also she intentionally makes sure that she's a thing about making sure that the mail arrives on the right day. <laughs> and so on the day, that's, that's a good. lot of pressure. That's good. No, that's I impressive, mean, self-imposed pressure. Yeah. She's uh, like, right, I really sure, want yeah. it. I receive a box that is not just like sad, right. like acknowledging this, but it's a banner. She'd mm. made a banner that said strong um, mm. for Toby and wow. it's candy yeah. and it's confetti mm-hmm. and it's like so good. But what you were saying about circumstances, Rebecca, our circumstances change and very often they are not great. I think it's really easy to find not great things about our circumstances, sure. right? Sure. But what we root our joy in is in the unchanging circumstance of who God is and why Jesus came. And it's this passage in Luke 4 from our Celebration Day, Day 15, in the study book. Would you read this for us, Rebecca? This Luke 4, Mm -hmm. it's just 16 through 19, but what Jesus says about himself. Oh, yeah, so good. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, and unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He then rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. He began by saying to them, Today, as you listen, this scripture has been fulfilled. Man. Amen. <laughs> Set I mean, free the captives. Yes. You know, yeah. give sight to the blind. I mean, what's not good this news is about good that? Good news. <laughs> yeah. And it's always true. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always true that this is who Jesus is and this is what he's about. Yeah. And this is what he's actively doing. And even like you were saying, like the text that you get and the box that you get, Amanda, like these are not us being dumb and deaf and like covering our ears to the hard things. Like Romans 12 says, you know, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. That's it's right. not us like saying like nothing's wrong. Right. Right. Like right. we get to lament later on in this study because that matters too. Right. Right. And, right. and Amanda, like you said, it's because we get to rejoice, we get to celebrate, because the thing that we're celebrating is so much better than our circumstances. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, but, because in the box of confetti and banners and candy, there's a note that says, this is still really hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and I see it. I see that it's really We're not hard. pretending that this is a, a silly time. Yeah. But we are going to celebrate something that's bigger than our circumstances that's right. today. Yeah. The well, same and- friend sent me a postcard that she had made because she's crafty. And it just said he should be here yeah. about my dad. And I'm yeah. like, my dad passed nine years ago. Yeah. And I just, to celebrate that he lived. Yeah. yeah. You I know? remember you and I going to lunch, actually, Yeah, right after my dad passed, and you told me about your dad. And we had, like, a big boohoo about it, Yeah, yeah. but, like, also a tender connection about that. And yeah. I think one thing I really appreciate about the Hebrew culture is they do a good job of remembering, yes. and they do a good job of honoring, even mm-hmm. in death. Yes. Like, there's a whole week long, like, just telling stories about that person and their life. I think sometimes in our culture, we can kind of— avoid it because it feels too painful. But truly, the real healing of loss is in the remembering, in the honoring, in the celebration, just knowing like this was a full, robust life that impacted my life or a lot of other lives or whatever. And the more that I want to heal in that loss, I want to remember. I want to just acknowledge and honor, whether that's real tears that are real guttural or that's real just gratitude that says, thank you, Lord, for your mercy on the days that are hard. Um, I think God invites us to hold the tension of celebration and lament because he did it so well. Christ knew he was freeing captives and also knew he was going to go to a cross. Mm -hmm. I mean, if he can hold that kind of stuff, that death and life intention, he's inviting us to like, the way of Jesus is going to hold a day where you might have a high and a real hard low and just know that I'm at the helm of all things. I'm that's king. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's something worth rejoicing in. Yeah. Always. Rejoice always. Yeah. I'll and, say it again, rejoice. And in the fellowship of believers. Like mm-hmm. I also like made a note when back to the Romans twelve twelve, this rejoice with those mm-hmm. who rejoice. In the fellowship of believers, that is not always easy. 
sometimes we're rejoicing for somebody who has something that we wish we had. Yeah. And I think that like that's part of the exercise. There's a place where spiritual discipline really comes in to look at one person who, let's say, had a baby. Mm-hmm. And I want a baby, right? right. I mean, sure. after our baby died, I went to baby showers and I celebrated. And that's really hard. And you can do that in a lot of different ways. You know, there's there's not necessarily a formula to that. But Mm -hmm. the exercise, the discipline of rejoicing with those who rejoice, even if maybe that's not your thing to rejoice, I appreciate that instruction. And I think that that's really good in the same Mm -hmm. way that we enter into people's sorrow for us to enter into people's celebration. Right. Yeah. So good. There's a quote from Richard Foster in his book, A Celebration of Discipline, which is just one of the foremost resources on spiritual disciplines. We'll probably say it in every episode, but it's... And it's linked, I'm sure. Yeah, it's linked. It's worth reading. But he says, the decision to set the mind on the higher things of life is an act of the will. That is why celebration is a discipline. It is not something that falls on our heads. It is the result of a consciously chosen way of thinking and living. And then your connection to joy, what you were just talking about, Rebecca, that goes on to say, when we choose to live this way, the healing and redemption in Christ will break into the inner recesses of our lives and relationships, and the inevitable result will be joy. Yeah. Amen. Isn't that Mm -hmm. beautiful? Yeah. Yeah. I love that it's not something that just falls in our heads. I no. mean, how many things do I just wait to fall on? I know. <laughs> Pretty much everything good we want to just fall on our head, but it's always the fruit of a seed of some sort of obedience. Yeah. You know, like obedience, pursuit, intention. Yeah. Like it's like when he says, this is the way, walk in it. Mm-hmm. It also very much means like there's going to be actual sacrifice and surrender, but mm-hmm. the fruit of that will be an abiding life that's rich and abundant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love worship yes. when when I'm thinking about the segue between celebration and worship. Uh-huh. So Joy, her favorite song is, I'll raise a hallelujah. <laughs> yes. And she just screams that song because yes. it's got the beat and it just gets going. And, it and goes she doesn't on stand ever. still while she And she's sings like, it. Lula, yeah. Lula. And I mean, oh, we'll I love just get her. going down the highway. And when that song comes <laughs> on, you just better be ready for about eight minutes of declaration <laughs> and praise. Yes. And it's just like almost the epitome of watching a joy bomb that kind of like (laughs) went off in our home model what worship is. Um, And it's just been really sweet to kind of see her like with her her whole being (laughs) Mm -hmm. just get down with worship and kind of just, I think it's a reflection of us as children, as God's sons and daughters to go, God, what does that reckless abandon of worship to Mm -hmm. you for me, like yesterday, I had the first day home alone in three weeks because, you know. Congratulations. Christmas oh, break. Oh, I hope you danced it out. Oh, oh, honey, I did. <laughs> and then I was like, I just said, I almost teared up. I did tear up. I just said, I haven't had this kind of solitude for this length of yeah. time. Right. In yeah. like a long time. Maybe all of 2020, no. But like where I got to just kind of just really interact with God in ways that I don't do with people around Right. Sure. Whether it's like dancing, kneeling, I even got to the piano and I played, yes. <laughs> I played the doxology and great as I faithful. Pierce finally came in a couple hours later. He was like, wow, you're just busting out the baby grand. I was like, you know what? I'm just <laughs> like, I have just so much gladness in my heart. And the phrase that I kept saying yesterday was like, thank you for your mercy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why mercy was the word, but it was like this kind of unmerited favor and kindness, Mm -hmm. which I think, you know, when we're aware of our sin, we're also more aware of like God's right holiness. And Mm -hmm. it was just such a tender kind of like worshipful place where I just kept saying, even as I was reading through the study, I was like constantly, I praise you. I just thank you that you are not changing in a world that feels very polarized, very hard, culturally, politically, you know, whatever the climate is, like we talked about in your prayer before we even began, was just that you are faithful in all of it, and you can bring as much joy and gladness Mm. and fulfillment regardless of what maybe is happening outside of things. Yeah, I don't know. I was just reminded of that again yesterday, that sometimes we really need extended times with no one else around mm-hmm. because solitude is different than loneliness. Solitude is like you're never alone. It's That's right. The Lord is with you, and He sometimes wants to reveal and expose kind of that connection of the heart that is really hard to happen when somebody else is around. Yeah. So. Yeah, I love this worship day, the readings for the worship day. I was just trying to kind of identify like what 
each passage says about God, like which of his attributes um, were Mm. shining through to me as I was reading this. And I just wrote them in the margin. And some of the words I wrote, um, who God is, holy, compassionate, glorious, mighty, healer, worthy, honorable, wise, strong, ruler. Like you can't help. But like when I see these passages juxtaposed yeah. with one another, you just can't help but like raise your hands. Mm-hmm. Talking about Joy singing, Toby, his new favorite song, he loves to identify a favorite song, is Surrounded by Michael W. Smith, and we'll watch it on YouTube. And he's very fascinated with people raising their hands in mm-hmm. worship, and he'll just, in the middle of the day, when we're not listening to it or whatever, he'll just say, why do we raise our hands? And I'm like... To praise Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He just likes to ask those questions over mm-hmm. and over and like hear the answer mm-hmm. that he knows is coming, mm-hmm. but like he wants to hear it said again. And so trying to explain to him why we do that, I'm like, sometimes that's how we show, like, if I want to show you I love you, I'll hug you. Yeah. Well, like, I can't hug God because mm-hmm. we can't see him. So like, if we want to show him that we love him, sometimes we just raise our hands yeah. mm-hmm. and he's just like taking it all in. But that's the appropriate response. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be limited to when we're reading these passages juxtaposed with one another, it should be all the time in response. I actually noticed that too, Amanda, when I was preparing and kind of reading this day, I noticed that the um, definition for worship or our little definition that we wrote is the practice of responding to the greatness of God with adoration, praise, and gratitude. And then as I read the readings for that day, I noticed, you know, in Exodus 34, like Mm -hmm. God speaks. And then it says in verse eight, Moses immediately knelt down low on the ground in worship. And then we get this other, you know, where Peter walks on water and then doesn't, (laughs) and then Jesus saves him. And then, you know, in Matthew 14, 33, it says, then those in the boat worshiped him and, and said, truly, are the Son of God. Like there's these response moments of worship. And I think the thing that really stood out to me when I read that, I think that sometimes I rely too heavily on regularly scheduled worship. Right. Um, oh, like yeah. my Sunday yeah. morning and we stand and we sing, you know, three to five songs and then we sure. sit down <laughs> and then we learn and then maybe after the sermon and communion, we stand and yeah, we sing one more song. very orderly. Sure. Uh-huh. And it's just well-scheduled, organized worship, you know? <laughs> and sometimes you just really feel it. And sometimes you're like, no, I'm doing this because I, it's beyond the practice. It's, sure. it's to the point, right? Yeah. But in reading these passages for that day, it helped me to remember, and this is something we know, that we get to fall on our face yeah. and worship the Lord when He saves us from a near miss on the highway. Sure. Right? Or whatever it is, like Anytime. to respond yeah. in worship to God. And it can be for a big thing, and it can be for a small thing, and you can have unscheduled worship at home. <laughs> um, Scandal. It's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. But it's beautiful to yeah. remember that, that our yeah. life with God, like we said, it's not go do your spiritual discipline and then go live. Right. It's right. go walk with Christ. Yeah. And, and it's worship not that Him. the disciplines are all separate. Right. You know, it's, right. I love, I'm so inspired and just in awe of how they're connected with one another. Mm-hmm. And so the inclusion of gratitude here, it's a new year. And I'm trying to be better about gratitude. (laughs) Sounds funny to say, but it's true. And I'm just like, just the practice of writing some things down. Mm -hmm. And it's that, you know, when you start to write some things and you think of more things and just, it really is just a way of reorienting. Like, okay, where are my eyes right now? What are my eyes on? And of like training myself to notice. I feel very like white noised out by the Mm. world lately. And so just to like, no, 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 like I can focus on these individual moments that are gifts. And that even that recognition Mm -hmm. and acknowledgement and naming those things of gratitude Mm -hmm. to God and what reasons that I'm grateful or things I'm grateful for, that is worship because it is responding to God's greatness. Mm -hmm. And if I'm acknowledging these as gifts, of his goodness and his greatness, then my acknowledging those back to him is worship. And so I love the freedom of that it can be regularly scheduled worship. It can be you know, eruption. It can yes. be, yeah, like yeah. King David style, oh, dance your heart out. With all your might. Yes. yes. Um, Making people give be, you the stink eye. That's I love right. It. I it, love or it can it. be a quiet moment of remembrance in your own heart Yeah, mm-hmm. that... 
you know, is otherwise unnoticed. And, like, I, and I love, love Revelation it. 5 right there at the end of the day. Probably my favorite chapter in scripture. I was so glad you incu- <gasps> included that one. And I almost I, wanted to sing it. I mean it. <laughs> Let's listen. go ahead. And right. three, and, two, yeah. one. Um, but if you, listener, don't know what to say when you mm. want to worship the Lord. I mean, this chapter in scripture, it's this moment where they're like, there's the scroll and it's sealed and like no one is worthy to open it. Who is worthy? And then, and this is kind of pre the reading in the book, but then we see the Lamb of God right. and he is worthy to open the scroll. And so in verse nine, it says, and they sang a new song. And if you need something to say when you're worshiping God, you can say this, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you purchased people for God by your blood. And from every tribe and language and people and nation, you made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign on the earth. And you go down just a little bit further, Mm -hmm. and it says, Then they said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. Mm -hmm. There's your worship. Yeah, I just think when there's an awe, a reverential awe that stops you in your tracks. I think that's the worship. Like you just can't barely fathom that kind of glory and that that it's painted so beautifully in Revelation. And Gabe led a group of guys to Revelation last year, and I was like, how was it? (laughs) Because I'm always a little like, I have a love-hate relationship with Revelation, and not just because I'm trying to understand it, and I know it's, you know, we see through a glass darkly, right? Mm -hmm. We're just trying Mm to... But he said, honestly, it's left us with so much hope. It left Mm -hmm. us, like even in our moment, wherever we sit, whatever little finite vantage point Mm -hmm. we have of where things are, like in our present moment, he goes, I just am so filled with hope because the victor, it's already declared. And that really helps Mm -hmm. you just keep perspective about whatever the temporary fleeting thing is that's happening culturally. Mm -hmm. You just like... God is at the helm. I love that. That's right. And you're right that we read Revelation 5 and it's almost wrote to us. You can say it without looking at your page, you know, but it is such a solemn, true, weighted thing, Mm -hmm. you know, that we say, you know, that you were slaughtered to purchase your people. Yeah. That's not something we can say that. Not mincing words there. Maybe sit right in that for a minute and go like, that's why we worship God. Yeah. Not Mm -hmm. because we get to reign forever. But because of why we yeah. get to Yeah, one of my, my favorite passages that really became the book I wrote, You Are Free, was yeah. in Galatians 5. But when the right time came, yes, you sent your son born of a woman, and you sent him to buy our freedom. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, wow, like, obviously freedom was costly. Right. Yeah. You were slaughtered right. so that we can actually be free from the bondage of sin and death. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, sometimes I think we just lose sight of that, and we don't mean to. We just kind of get about our day. But it's like, actually, I've conquered sin and death, and I bought that for you through my death, burial, and resurrection. And so when we still struggle now, you know, like, say I still have a day where I'm triggered with anxiety or depression wants to kind of linger, I'm still going, you bought my freedom. And so if that's true, then how do I walk in a way that's submitted, which we'll get to next? Um, How do I walk in a way that's submitted under your covering, if that's who you are, and if the sun has set you free, you're free indeed. Yeah. Then if that is absolutely true, and I might not be feeling that or even experiencing that in the present moment, I still submit to your covering of what you declared as so. Yeah. And that kind of helps me reframe things mm-hmm. on those days where I'm tempted to doubt or tempted to not consciously doubt, but the experience sometimes would make me question. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. This is one of those topics that I feel like, Oh, I don't have a lot to learn about worship. <laughs> um, and then we laugh. Um, but when you start to dig in, it's so convicting and also just illuminating to be like, oh, yeah. like what you just said, Rebecca, that's why worship pervades our regularly ske- like or goes beyond yeah. our regularly scheduled programming. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, we did include this passage in the reading, but if someone's wanting to look up more about worship, that passage in John 4 where Jesus is talking to the woman who says like, She's talking about where do we worship? Some people say here, some people say that. And Jesus says to her, the day is coming and has now come where 
We will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yeah. And so we actually did a study called um, In Spirit and Truth, and it's on worship. So we'll link to that if you want to keep digging, because it is one of those where you start to dig like with a spoon and you're like, oh, I'm going to need a shovel. There's <laughs> a whole We got to keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Pun intended. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Hey friends, Rachel here. I want to take a minute to tell you about apartment life. Did you know that 95% of people living in apartments aren't connected to a local church? Apartment life shows God's love to apartment residents in real, tangible ways, opening the door to connect them to the local church and ultimately to share the gospel with people who might never hear it from someone else. We just aren't meant to stay isolated and apartment life does so much to bring people together. Apartment life pairs hosts with apartment residents to host events, build community, and care for fellow residents in times of need. Even virtual events can make a huge difference to help people feel connected. Those experiences can open the door to meet people right where they are with the hope of the gospel. Apartment Life has connected more than 65,000 residents with a local church over the last 20 years, and they are making more connections every day. So if you're passionate about loving your neighbors and you love to throw a good virtual party, visit apartmentlife.org slash truth to find out how you can become a host. We want to take a minute to tell you about one of our podcast sponsors, Skillshare. Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people. Explore new skills, deepen existing passions, and get lost in creativity. As a member, you'll get unlimited access to thousands of inspiring classes with hands-on projects and feedback from a community of creatives worldwide. So whether you're looking to explore something new or to deepen your understanding of a current skill set, Skillshare offers creative classes designed for real life and all the circumstances that come with it. Break up your routine with spontaneous acts of creativity. You'll be surprised what interests you and what you're capable of. Skillshare offers classes on everything from how to find your style to how to make the perfect grilled cheese. I am personally looking forward to Emily Henderson's class, Style Your Space, Creative Tips and Techniques for Interior Design. Explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash SheReadsTruth. And the first 1,000 people to use our link will get a free trial of Skillshare's premium membership. Again, that's Skillshare.com slash SheReadsTruth. Back to the show. Okay, we have, what do we have left here for the week? Confession and submission and giving. giving. I mean, where do you want to go next? Highlights. Well, I I think I love the segue. Um, Yes. And I know it's like you guys intended this. It's like we gave (laughs) it like it was on purpose. Because it really truly is. Once you have a posture of worship, you have a posture to submit because the worship itself causes you to fall on your face. Yeah. And it causes you to just go, Apart from you, I am nothing. Like, yeah. And so I found with my healing journey of anxiety is that I finally had to just come to terms with it. If he is the Prince of Peace and mm-hmm. he is my peace, mm-hmm. then I submit to his covering of peace. I actually come under that. So if I'm starting to like spin out and my body's starting to spin out and anxiety is just starting to ramp, I'll immediately in those moments declare, you are my peace and I submit to your covering of peace. Mm-hmm. I come under. Yeah. I actually come under who you are because I know that you've bought my freedom and I know whatever is at war internally in this yeah. moment, I can actually with intention decide I'm going to submit to who you are. Mm-hmm. Yes. And as a result, my body and my mind, my will and my emotions doesn't actually have the opportunity to rebel against who you are in your nature if I'm submitted under you. Right. If I've just said, I declare that I'm going to submit under you mm-hmm. and your nature. Yeah. yeah. And so that has just been a helpful thing. When I have a posture of submission, mm-hmm. man, I'm a different person. You know what I mean? Like, I think for all of us, yeah. like our flesh wants what it wants. It just yeah. wants. Yeah, it, does. it wants all the immediate yeah. gratification. We want our way. It wants security. I want my way. <laughs> we do. I'll and it's often it. driven by fear. Mm-hmm. Our wants, our fleshly uh-huh. wants are driven by fear. And so it's almost the self-preservation mm-hmm. and this acting out as orphans, but we're not. We're daughters. You know, you are no longer fearful slaves. That, you mm-hmm. are sons and daughters of God. And because you are his children, you get to share in his inheritance, which mm-hmm. means you also share in the suffering. And I think sometimes we can jump back to that orphan mentality because the muscle memory mm-hmm. is so strong. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. But the daughter 
says, no, I'm chosen and appointed and set apart. I've been entrusted with birthright gifts. You've not given me a spirit of fear. You've given me power, love, and a sound mind. So if that is true, even if I'm not feeling it in this moment, I submit to then what you say is true. Right. And so I have to kind of write out those verses, declare them over myself. Mm-hmm. In this last book, Rhythms of Renewal, I did a whole chapter on know your identity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Labels don't define you. And it ends with like 30 verses of truth about yeah. who God says we are. I We're think, linking these books, you guys, because okay, so you'll love them. That was not a shameless plug. No, no, no. It was no. literally, I, truly like something no, I had but that's, to do I want for them myself. To, I want them to be able to read that. They're thankful right now that we're linking well, this. good. <laughs> but, but, but it's just because I think... Part of this goal of these practices that you guys are talking about is remembrance. Yeah, yeah. It's not that we don't know it; it's mm-hmm. that we lose sight. Yep. Or we get That's distracted. A good way to put it. It's not because we're just rebelling and yeah. we're just like, oh, well, you know, you're sinning. It's like the nature. If we forget and we forget to submit, we forget who God is, and then we therefore then no longer submit. We just act out what our flesh wants. Mm-hmm. That's why we get down this snowball. Yeah. So the intention of remembrance, I think, is what mm-hmm. that's why the Eucharist, this mm-hmm. do in remembrance of me. Like Jesus is like, yeah. don't forget. Yeah. <laughs> don't forget. Don't forget. Yeah, don't forget. Yeah. Don't forget. Keep remembering. I like the phrase you lose sight. Um, I think like it's not that we forget we lose sight. I remember back in Lent last year, Lisa Harper was a guest of ours and she was describing that she'd gotten a car that had heads up display. And she said, like, that it's just kind of there and you can, you know, see your miles per hour, maybe your next like navigational turn or whatever. And she said, what I need to do is keep my eye on the road. But sometimes I lose sight of the road and I just see the heads up display that's right in front Mm -hmm. of me. But what we have to remember is to not lose sight of what is true because it never stops being true. Right. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. We just lose sight of it. Well, you Mm -hmm. know, and I, this is again, I'm sorry, it just keeps coming. But like this morning I woke with that verse because I find I sleep less when my eyes are not fixed on him. Because I immediately woke this morning. I was kind of, if I get going down a, like an initiative and a project, I kind of get all in. I'm laser focused. Mm-hmm. And I know some I, other people like that. You might know, be in the room. No one in this room, of course. <laughs> no drivers in this room. Mm-hmm. But I remember immediately when I woke this morning, I will keep her or him in perfect peace whose eyes are fixed on me. My mind is fixed on him because I trust you. And sometimes I go, do I have a hard time sleeping because I lack trust? Like there's a safety. (laughs) There's a safety in like just going to your subconscious, right? Mm -hmm. Like to just sleep well. And I'm one who has had to really take sleep seriously because it doesn't come easy. It didn't come easy for my dad. Mm -hmm. I'll sometimes go, God, where are the places? And this is not to condemn anyone who's hearing this. Mm -hmm. I know there's a lot of sleeping disorders out there. But what are the places that I'm withholding from you Mm -hmm. that maybe are kind of spinning in my mind? Um, I'm not able to are you at the helm of this area of my life or am I just kind of holding it over here? And so sometimes I'll say, what are the places I'm not trusting you? just help reveal that because yeah. I think sometimes we just don't always know. But like, again, it's back that sight of going, God, are my eyes fixed on you or is it this other thing becomes a big thing? Mm-hmm. Right. And then now I'm not in perfect peace as a yeah. result. And that yeah. I think also explains because there's an element of submission that is also communal and with fellowship and with other yeah. people, right, in our relationships. But that submission, so I'm going to read the definition because I had to keep going back to the definition to understand um, the concept of submission. And the definition that we've given is the practice of surrendering to God's will mm-hmm. and seeking the goodness and growth of others over our own rights or interests. And so that, I think what you're describing is that the foundation of submission, like we have to surrender to God's will. But that's also what is the foundation of how we can submit to one another, right. and, and meaning like defer to the good um, and the consideration and the growth of others over ourselves. Now, that's so hard to talk about, especially when, you know, we rightly, you know, are in a time where we're having to remind each other it's okay to prioritize self-care. It's okay to take care of yourself. I mean, one of my, I'm considering it a spiritual practice of 2021 is I'm paying attention to my body. I haven't done that for two years Mm -hmm. and I'm paying a price right now with some pain and some other things, sleep, some other things like that. And so for me, that is a spiritual practice because it is rooted in surrendering to God's will, meaning like God's lordship over my life Mm -hmm. and God's 
control over my life, but also just that surrendering to what he says is true about me and about him Mm -hmm. (laughs) and about others. And so submitting to one another isn't don't take care of yourself in any way. Like that's not it right, because right. because you can't dismiss everything else God says. Yeah, And I think we do that because A of all, it's hard to hold things in tension. Intention, meaning like holding one thing that's true in one hand and another thing that's true in the other hand and recognizing that it's hard for us as humans to see how those things can go together. For example, care for others and care for ourselves. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So to hold both of those as important, it's just easier to say, well, this thing matters more and this thing matters. And so I am obviously having a very hard time articulating it, but it's this is why submission is so, I think, difficult for me to understand. It's also, I had to go back and compare the definitions between submission and obedience. Okay. Because Mm. our definitions in this book are very similar. And submission was the practice of surrendering to God's will and seeking the goodness and growth of others over our own rights or interests. Obedience is the practice of seeking God's will, both individually and in community, and acting in agreement with it. So if I'm understanding this correctly, obedience is I'm going to actively seek God's will. Mm -hmm. So like in like what's next, next steps, decisions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like seek first the kingdom. That's right. As righteous as the rest is added. Amen. Whereas surrender is... Not my will, but yours. That's yeah, it. That's, that's good. it. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting, too, that obedience, another difference is that obedience is an individual practice. It's also a communal practice. Yeah. So like Rachel and I, we, we don't talk about it this way, but that's a thing that we do mm-hmm. in our work mm-hmm. is that we will together, individually and together, seek God's will mm-hmm. for the... Um, ministry that he's entrusted to us. Yeah, mm-hmm. so and good. so that's a, and we better, yeah. that's a spiritual discipline, a spiritual yeah. practice. And submission is an individual, I right. think, call. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because it comes right after confession. And I know we jumped from worship to submission and confession <laughs> is yeah, in yeah, there. Yeah. But one thing I have found that like sometimes confession of sin, right? The definition you guys have given it, the practice of admitting sin, which I love that you say the practice yeah. of admitting sin. I'm thinking of pretty much every day there's some yep. form of confession. We that, always have something to That the Holy yeah. Spirit has revealed, praise God, mm-hmm. because the revelation of sin yeah. is just God's kindness mm-hmm. that leads us to repentance so that we don't fall out of relationship with him, yeah. that we don't actually get, that blind spot doesn't get so big that we're like, everyone sees it but me. Yeah. It's like, thank you, Holy Spirit, for actually revealing what my own selfishness or whatever my wants were, um, my lack of submission. Yeah. But in the confession that might be more intimate, maybe in solitude, then usually it goes to someone else, right? Like yeah. if I know there's some way that the Holy Spirit's prompted me about something I need to confess, yeah. I do to God. But if it's a relational thing or it's affecting my marriage or affecting my family or affecting a friendship or maybe I've just – then the next practice is to take that confession to that person too yeah. and just say, it's easy just to write this in my journal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's something else to then go now go to that person and go, I'm sorry. Like that mm-hmm. was wrong of me. I started to think this thing and then it grew and I felt insecure, whatever it is. That's Whether like, it was a sin against them or something that you just need humans to right. know what you're walking through. Right. Just accountability. Right. And, yeah. know you. and so Gabe and I have had, I was thinking in 2020, I think we've prayed prayers of submission after confession. Yeah. Submission to me is more of a bigger picture of like, what are you doing? Well, like we're submitted. Like if you want this to go left, we'll go left. You want yeah. to go right, we'll go mm-hmm. right. If you want this to go to bed and be done, we're good. Like yeah. we trust you so much yeah. that we're submitted. Like you get in the way, you intervene, you shut the door, you open the door. We will not push. Yeah. We really trust you that much. You mm-hmm. see what we cannot see. And I think mm-hmm. those are wonderful kinds of prayers as mm-hmm. companies, as partners, as yeah. marriages, as small groups, whatever. Like, God, what do you – we trust you so much. We submit to just open and close, yeah. give and take away. Mm-hmm. Like, we're never lacking with you regardless. So just show us and yeah. we submit. Ryan and I were reading the Bible with the kids last night and we were in Acts. And it's – I think we are in one, chapter one. And it was, you know, the one where they're like, well, we need a 12th disciple and they're like, these two guys both seem good. Let's just roll the dice. And where the where the dice fall, like, that's our guy. Right. And we just had such a good discussion about that with the kids. And we were like, no, here's the thing. Like, that's just an act of submission to a sovereign God. Yeah. And it's just so beautiful to go 
like we have many great ways we can go. And like we sometimes lie to ourselves and think that like something we can do would be, you know, would stump God like, oh, no, now what? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're walking with the Lord and we're like, you know, Lord, guide us. And mm-hmm. like Ryan and I were literally like, we should start rolling the dice on some I'm stuff. I'm going to start flipping coins, <laughs> Like man. literally, I wonder what, like, <laughs> because it's well, but What it acknowledges <laughs> too is, I mean, we're not saying don't um, seek the Lord, pray, do all the things, you know, seek counsel. Yeah. Sometimes there are wrong decisions. <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. But for, yeah, I mean, like, let me like help Rachel out. Well, I just, <laughs> yeah. we don't want to, we don't want to take that and run with it. But right. the acknowledging that our power mm-hmm. <laughs> in wisdom, it only goes so far. And in comparison to the Lord's, yeah, <laughs> like just not even on the radar, yeah. you know, and like to say that I trust, there are people that I trust. I trust the process of some of these practices, sure. right? Yeah. But ultimately, yeah. I trust the Lord. Yeah. And it's hard. That's hard. Yeah. I think that's hard. It's and hard it, when you have two good options. Right. Mm-hmm. I think or I, none. Right. Or no good options. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. true. I think sometimes like when, when the options feel like one is right or one is wrong, like yeah. there isn't really a right or a right. wrong here, you have to actually ask the Lord to kind of just bring clarity yeah. Yeah. Um, on what those things are. With counsel, with time. Right. And I agree. I think the process, <laughs> like trusting the process of submission, yeah. it's yeah. not a one and done. Yeah. It's actually like, okay, that's good. Do yeah. we walk this way or do we walk this way? Um, we're just going to go at your invitation. And your. I always kind of am like, look at the fruit. Like, where does God seem to mm. already kind of be blowing wind yeah. on something that's just resonating? And then I pay attention. It's mm-hmm. usually if it's resonating with me yeah. and it's blowing wind in my own heart and mm-hmm. stirring conviction or stirring submission, then I'm just going to speak from that place. Yeah. And if that resonates for somebody else, it's like, well, maybe maybe this is where he's leading. It's yeah. like he's so kind to hmm. just invite us into the current of mm-hmm. living water. Like he is, he's the wellspring. So like it never runs dry. It's always going. So you're kind of like... I don't want to swim counter to that. I want to kind of get in that that mm-hmm. abundance place mm-hmm. and know that if you're pushing this thing, I don't have to. Like, we're not supposed to. I'm trying to remember now. I think it's Andrew Murray who said in his book, Abiding with Christ, um, he's talking about when our activity ends, his begins. It's this idea of just like when we finally stop trying to <laughs> kind of push something up a hill, mm-hmm. uh-huh. he's like, actually, here's where we're going. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. why was I just beating my head up against Mm -hmm. the wall for the last six months? Like, It's like if we just paused more often, and we should be postured that way, but sometimes I think we make our plans and he directs our steps. So sometimes we get like the chicken or the egg, you know, out of order. But I found sometimes I'm like, okay, God, what do you want want to do? Um, How do I submit to that? And then all of a sudden he just starts to show confirmation after confirmation. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to confession for just a quick second because I think it's such a funny thing. And I actually maybe do mean funny. Because, I mean, even like we have our regularly scheduled confession Sunday mornings, like that's part of our order of service. You know, we get down on our knees as a church and we confess. But even in our prayer lives, we do that, hopefully regularly. And it's funny to me because I somehow try to organize my words well when I confess to the Lord. Like, let me explain, you know, or whatever it is. Or maybe that like I talk to the Lord sometimes as though he's a comrade and not a king. And I... Mm want to, you know, explain or maybe present my confession a little bit more beautifully than it is. And it's usually pretty ugly in reality. And I just, I appreciate that if there's anybody who knows me, it's God. In -hmm. fact, he knows me better than I know me. And so I don't have to be good at confession. I just have to be honest. And I loved... um, That's great. Yes. uh, And I loved that on the confession day, we read from Ezra and he's honest. Like he says... Embarrassingly honest. I feel uncomfortable for him. Like in chapter nine, verse six, he's like, my God, I'm ashamed and embarrassed to lift my face toward you, my God, because our iniquities are higher than our heads and our guilt is as high as the heavens. Our guilt has been terrible from the days of our ancestors until the present. Because of our iniquities, we have been handed over. And he goes on, but like, he's just like, I'm embarrassed, God. Like, not just me, but my ancestors, my community. We see what we've done and we can't hide it from you. 
Yeah. And we also see your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. And this is like, you know, this conversation that we're having about how um, these spiritual disciplines, they're all our workouts toward the presence of God, right? Yeah. Isn't confession an important one? Yeah. And critical. aren't they so intertwined? Like for confession, yes. like there's just worship. Like, and I see your mercy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. It's and just the word freedom has come up so much in this conversation. Yeah. And I think that is, I don't know if this is the right wording, but it almost feels like so much of this freedom is the reward, like the trade-off, you yeah. know, that like with confession that we yeah. read Psalm 32, if you haven't yet, and be sure to not to miss it on that confession day, because there is a freedom yeah. that comes with confession. And there is a freedom that comes with submission, yeah. a freedom to lay down the need for control. But in relationship with one another, Richard Foster, again, in Celebration of Discipline says, I'm paraphrasing, for submission, the corresponding freedom, he says, is the ability to lay down the terrible burden of always needing to get our own way. And I think that works with other people and it works with the Lord. Yeah. (laughs) You know, of always needing our own way that we're released to drop the matter, to Mm -hmm. forget it. And he says most things in life are not nearly as important as we think they are. (laughs) Well, that's why in the book, You Are Free, it begins with the story of free to confess. And this idea that confession is the gateway to freedom. I think shame keeps us from it, right? Yeah. Shame just says, just hide it. It's too big. It's too dark. It's too ugly. Shame lies to us and tells us we can hide it. Because shame knows that if you don't confess, you won't get free. Right. And yet if you do confess and you realize you're cleansed from all unrighteousness, like when you confess your sin, you're cleansed. You're not in bondage anymore. You're not in bondage. And just like, what were we waiting for? Shame was that loud. Mm -hmm. Um, And because you can't heal what is hidden, we can walk around for decades with some secret of something that really is actually keeping us from the fullness of what God has intended. Mm -hmm. And so I think sometimes we just have to remind each other, like, hey, no part of your story. I don't care what it is. Mm -hmm. Not a single thing that you've experienced or done is actually separates you from the love of God. Not a right. single thing. Yeah. Right. Um, so don't just don't hold back. And right. sometimes we get old enough and we're just kind of like, oh, that was then. Um, that has no power over yeah. me. But it's like, you know what? It actually still does. Yeah. Unless we just go, okay, God, <laughs> here's everything. My dad, um, before he died, a few years prior to that, he, you know, had struggled with chronic depression on and off his whole adult life. And he wrote a note and basically said, I got free. I got free towards the end when I confessed everything done against me or everything I had done, like mm-hmm. just a very long laundry list of everything that God brought to his memory throughout his whole life. And I thought, wow, he was past 70 or right around 70 when yeah. that happened. What would it look like wow. for us to go, God, what are the sins that maybe like I've kind of made allowances for, or I've kind of explained around, mm-hmm. you know, like, or hmm. kind of not rationalized, but also kind of just, you know, like, oh, I forgive him. It's fine. But yeah. like, not really acknowledging, like, actually, maybe I have held on to some resentment here or maybe something. Yeah. But what would it look like earlier in life? Mm-hmm. So, God, what are the things that I've right, done or that, that have been done against me mm-hmm. yeah. that I have just kind of pushed over here and be like, it's fine? Yeah. But like, maybe there's more freedom to come. Yeah. Maybe there's more layers of freedom that's really just attached to unresolved confession. Yeah, I kind of want the holy, not kind of, I'm <laughs> asking the Spirit of God to continue to prompt me mm-hmm. on yeah. any things that I have not laid down. Mm-hmm. We don't know how many days we have here. I mean, mm-hmm. it's only a, a minuscule of eternity, but I don't want to squander here if there are things that really I've just still withheld, yeah. that I just kind of have buried back in the past. So... It's just something that I've been thinking about more of like, what are the layers of freedom that are still to be had? Yeah. And it brings us back to Revelation 5. Like it's the who is worthy. There is no one on earth who can make us free. There is no one who is worthy to make us free. And in Revelation 5, it's talking about the scroll, of course. But but what we know is that the kind of freedom that was purchased for us by Christ was so, so, so costly, but it was complete. Mm-hmm. And there's no one who can free us but him, and he has. That's so good. Yep. Well, 
We do have to go. <laughs> Sadly, we can keep. I talking. wanted to talk about giving, but here's the thing: we have a week ahead of us of That's our right. scripture reading, and we're women in the Word of God every day. And so today, if you're listening on the day that this releases, we're talking about celebration, and we've got some really beautiful spiritual disciplines to talk about this week. And we've got the community talking every day, so we will get to giving. We'll get to it on Friday, but we're uh, Rebecca. So thankful that you gave this time to us and my goodness just you have so much good insight and I just feel like I learned so much I love you guys and I think we've covered our beauty goodness and truth that's a lot of what this was about (laughs) yeah calling out celebration was beauty goodness that's right absolutely I would love to just read this tiny quote as a benediction over us um, before we go now also don't forget We have our last week of this study next week. Mm -hmm. Kelly Minter will be here, Mm -hmm. and we're going to talk about, oh, what are we going to talk about? Silence, solitude, chastity. Chastity. What else? Yeah. I don't know. We haven't Uh, had the conversation yet. Solitude, silence, simplicity, chastity, and remembrance. Remembrance. That came up a lot today. Mm -hmm. So join us next week for that. This is a quote from N.T. Wright's book called Surprised by Hope. He talks about the resurrection and the hope of Jesus. And he says, my friends, we are an Easter people. We stand on resurrection ground. Easter is not only our greatest party. Easter is the only reason we are here at all. And then he goes on to say all the things we should be doing that just seem like outrageously just uh, joyful and celebratory because of the good news of Jesus. Things like we should sing and dance and blow trumpets and put out banners in the streets. We should invite the homeless people to parties and we should go around town doing random acts of generosity and celebration. We should be doing things which would make our sober and serious neighbors say, what is the meaning of this outrageous party? (laughs) I like it. In that book, he calls them Easter parties. Yeah, I we should be having Easter parties. <laughs> yes. That's right. We should meet regularly for Easter parties. That's yeah. right. He says that. I love just kind of ending on that because that is rooted in the good news of Scripture. It's what's been purchased That's for us. Right. Yeah. That's right. And for everyone we lay eyes on, it's been purchased right. for them. So let's go yeah. forth and celebrate. All right. So until next week, friends and Rebecca, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles. Keep opening your Bibles.